0: Our scripture reading today is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, through chapter 5, and verse 2. So let's stand in honor of God's word. I will read verse 12, you'll read verse 13, and down through this passage through uh, 5-2. Let no one look down on your youthfulness but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance, with the laying on of the hands of the Presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Do not sharply rebuke an older man but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters, with all purity. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for this ancient word that is true today and will be true forever. I pray for these graduates today, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would encourage them and bless them. And all who hear your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And I am gonna preach to the graduates today the rest of you can eavesdrop if you would like. You're all going to college, right? Yeah. It's good. It's good. I spent 12 of the best years of my life in college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I have a verse for you today I don't need anymore, so I'm going to give it to you. And uh, verse 12 says, Let no man look down on or despise your youth. There was a day when I needed that. I was a young preacher, and uh, I needed the encouragement of this verse. Because, like Rodney Dangerfield, I got no respect. (laughs) I was a single man, and I was very young, and I was a pastor. Most people want their pastor to be older than themselves, and that's a lot easier for me now than it was <laughs> back in the beginning of my ministry. Uh, these words were written by an old pastor for a young pastor by the name of Timothy. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy uh, to encourage him, and uh, as far as I know, Preston's the only one that's planning to be a pastor. So, But the rest of you can make application uh, to some of these things. Uh, the first thing that the Apostle Paul says to Timothy is, if you want respect, then you're going to have to be an example. You're going to have to live a life that measures up to what you say you are. He suggests that you do this in several ways. He says, first of all, in your speech or in your word, you need to be an example. The Lord Jesus was 12 years old when his parents couldn't find him. Where was he? He was down at the temple. He was discussing things with the teachers There at the temple, which was not only a place of worship, but it was a place of education and learning. Uh, Jesus learned to speak well, to use his words wisely. And that's one of the ways that you can be an example by the words that you speak and by the words that you don't use, that others use inappropriately. It says in conduct... I think of young David in the Bible, who as a young man went down to see the battle that the nation of Israel and his older brothers were all fighting with the Philistines and that big Goliath that came out every day. But David was a young man. He was despised by his brothers. But he said, is there not a cause? And he decided that that loudmouth Goliath needed to be cut down to size. And so he stepped up in the name of the Lord and defeated that great giant. Your conduct should be a conduct of courage. As a young person, you're probably very good at identifying things that are wrong that the older generation have done and you think, I'm going to change that, I'm going to do something about that, I'm not going to be content with that, I would encourage you to seek God, to do those things that you can do for God's glory like David did. It says that your love should be exemplary. I think of David and Jonathan who swore a Pact of friendship and love that extended down through their lives and even to future generations. They genuinely cared for one another. Growing in love is one of the things that God wants to do. And in spirit, I think of young Samuel. He heard a voice in the night as he lay asleep in the tabernacle. Samuel, Samuel. And finally, he learned to say, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. I see you've all got those nice big Bibles. Uh, I hope you use them. Because God will speak to you through that book. That's what he does. He speaks to us through the Bible. And if you choose to do the hard work of opening that big book and reading some of it every day and listening for God's voice, he will speak to you. He will guide you. He will instruct you. And then in faith, I think of a young man by the name of Gideon who in faith rose up and did what God called him to do. Even though he felt like he was the least in his father's house, he stepped up And God used him in a great way. And then in purity, I think of Joseph. He had some problems with his brothers. Yeah, they wanted to kill him. And uh, they knew he was his dad's favorite. Now you know that you're your parents' favorite. You know that. Uh, but see, the problem is that your, your brothers and sisters, they know that too, and they can get a little jealous. How are you going to deal with that? Well, Joseph did, and, and Joseph uh, didn't become bitter. Even when he had a chance to hurt his brothers, he didn't do it. And when he was far from home, in a place where nobody would ever knew, know what he did, and Potiphar's wife and tried to entice him into immorality, to fornication. There's an old Bible word. He said no. He said no. He said no. If you're going to live for Christ, you're going to have to say no. And when you go off to college, you're going to have to say no in ways that you haven't had to say no yet. But Joseph did that. One thing I have found in a situation like leaving your home and going to college, is that you're going to need to raise the flag. There's a lot of different ways to do that. One of them is to take that huge Bible with you. And when you're unpacking your things in your dorm room, don't hide it under the bed or somewhere. Put it right up on the dresser, that huge Bible. They can't miss it, Okay, You'll be making a statement. You'll be raising the flag. And when you raise the flag, some will shoot it and some will salute it. And that will tell you where everybody is. Okay? And if you raise the flag and you make it clear that you are a Bible Christian, it will help you to say yes when you ought to say yes and to say no when you ought to say no. It'll help you. And they'll make fun of you. They'll say that you're some kind of a legalist. They'll say that you're judgmental. They'll say all kinds of things about you, but they'll watch you like a hawk. And when they have a big problem in their life, they'll come to you privately alone, and they'll say, would you say a prayer for me? They will. And you'll have an opening. And maybe you'll get a chance to share with them why you're a different kind of person, but I'm telling you, if you try to be a secret agent for God, it's going to backfire on you, okay? You say, well, I'll just fit in, okay? I'll just keep a low profile. No, no, You can be subtle about it. Maybe it's a poster on the wall. Maybe it's a cross around your neck. Maybe it's a bumper sticker. I don't know. But some way or another, raise the flag and make it clear who you are. It'll help you to live the Christian life that you ought to live in a situation. Because any dead fish can float downstream. But God is calling you to be salmon. I saw a lot of fish in those pictures. You people know about fish. (laughs) Don't be a dead fish. Be a salmon. Salmon swim upstream, and against all obstacles, they get to their place. You're going to have to be a salmon if you're going to live for God. You're going to have to go against the culture, against the majority, against a lot of, I know this is America, the land of the free where everything's good, but everything isn't good in this culture, and you're going to have to make decisions, and sometimes you're going to have to say no. So the first thing I see in this text is to be an exemplary Christian, that is to be an example of the believers, and that's what a Christian is. A Christian is a believer, we get saved by believing in Christ and we walk with God by continuing to believe God. No doubt you will have some assaults on your faith. It may come through friends, through media, through professors, through other students who will say, "You believe that book? You believe that ancient book? It's so out of date." I mean, be modern, you know? Hey, follow this, follow that. Be careful. Because if you're a Christian, you are a believer. And you will have to decide to believe your beliefs and to doubt your doubts if you're going to live an exemplary Christian life. The second thing he mentions here is to learn to pay attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, to yourself. I know you're a reader, but I hope you will not just read books that are assigned to you. Do we have to read that? i got to read 100 pages by Tuesday. You know, all that kind of stuff. I hope reading is not a chore for you, especially reading the Bible. That reading the Bible will be a source of strength, and that you will choose good books, good biographies, And you will have what you need to speak up and to speak well. And when other students and your professors speak against the truths of this book, that you will not be afraid, but you will know how to express your worldview. That you will understand the times and know what you ought to do. And then you're going to develop your spiritual gifts. You're all gifted. I see all those tassels and stuff, you know. I see all the giftedness. And many of you are gifted in athletics and gifted in music. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, you also have been given spiritual gifts. Gifts of serving, gifts of speaking. Find out what those gifts are and find a church where you can serve God. You say well well wake wake chapel's my church. Well if you come home every weekend that's true. Uh, but if you're there at school on a weekend, you ought to find a church. Okay? Find a church and get an associate membership, start helping in ministry, use your gifts in a local church. You say well I don't have time to go to church. I have so much homework. You know what you will find? If you give God that time of worship in a local church and serving the Lord, he will multiply your ability to retain and to learn and to succeed in your academics. He will multiply your time. And you won't spend all those hours staring at a textbook and hoping that somehow it finds a way in your memory. You will find. That's true. Why? Because the one who designed your brain wrote this book. This is the hardware. This is the software. And when you run the right software on the hardware, it's amazingly how, how wonderful it works on everything else. A friend of mine had trouble in school. He had learning disabilities and Uh, grammar school and high school. In high school, he was in a youth group where they challenged him to memorize scripture, and so he did. He didn't just memorize verses, he memorized chapters, and he memorized books of the Bible. And he found that in that process, as hard as it was, his brain came alive. And when he got to college and graduate school, it was 4.0 all the way through for him. And he was the one who lectured from memory in my Hebrew classes in seminary. He told that story, how God woke up his brain and got it working right because he memorized scripture. And why wouldn't that be true if the one who designed our brain wrote that book? And then relate well to others. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5, he says you need to treat older men as fathers, younger women, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and then younger women as sisters with all purity. Your human relationships are going to be really important. The friendships that you form in these years now and in the few years to come will make the difference in whether you build a strong family or not. You come from a church with strong families. You come from a community with strong families. The hopes of your parents and grandparents are that you will make the right friends in college, and that you'll marry one of those friends someday, and then you'll have children and uh, all the rest of the story. You'll build a family. You will do that by building good friendships now. And notice that he says that Timothy is to treat the younger women as sisters with all purity. So your relationship with people of the opposite gender should be as a brother and a sister and no more. marriage That sounds antiquated and old-fashioned, but I'll tell you, it's good emotional health, it's good physical health, and you will be blessed, and you will not have regrets if you treat people of the opposite gender as brothers and sisters. How are you getting along with your brothers and sisters, by the way? Do you realize that your brothers and sisters will be raising your children's cousins? These are things to think about. <laughs> Won't be that long. Think about it. And treat, one In fact, you really should marry your sister, you guys. Do you know that? It's what the Bible says. First Corinthians, Peter speaks about leading about a sister a wife. A sister in the Lord. We are to marry in the Lord. You ladies should marry a brother in Christ, that is, a believer. Someone else that believes in Christ as you do. Someone else who has placed themselves under the authority of God as you have done. And if you find that kind of a person, and you marry a person who likewise is a believer in Christ, then you will have a oneness of spirit, soul, and body that will create a strong marriage that will be the foundation of a strong family for generations to come. My wife and I went to college together. We met in college. Up until that time, we were just two individual people. We didn't know each other, but then one day I was walking a girl to a babysitting job, and it happened to be her, and they weren't home, so we talked. And, 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 and now there's 27 of us. <laughs> yeah. So you just never know uh, what's going to happen. And, uh, and your parents and grandparents, they see this whole thing, you know, and don't worry, they will always see you as that stupid little kid that you saw on the screen. They will always see you, and they, you know, it'll be hard for them to recognize. But on the other hand, they also see, they see into the past, but they see into the future. They see that the choices that you're making now at this stage in your life are going to make all the difference in the decades to come that so quickly come upon us. And so our prayers are all with you. That you will be an example of the believers in your life in every possible way. That you will have healthy, pure relationships with those of the opposite gender. That if God chooses, you will marry a believer. And together you will build a family founded on Jesus Christ and lived out for His glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. I pray for these graduates that you will guide them in your way by your word and by your spirit. That they will build families and communities and businesses that would glorify you and that throughout eternity, we'll rejoice in what you have done in their lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you remain standing for prayer? Rick Powell will come to lead us. And after we pray together, if you would remain standing until our graduates go out front so we can greet them after the service.
1: Would you bear your, bow your head with me, please? Almighty God, today is a glorious day. In our lifetime, we have prayed many prayers to you, and sometimes you answer and sometimes you don't. But for 18 years, many people in this great house of yours has prayed for the seniors down front, and our prayers have been answered. Their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and they have a home in heaven just like we do. I ask you to guide and direct them, dear Lord, and help them to keep in mind what Dan has preached today, that they should stand out among the crowd and boldly profess Jesus Christ as Savior because they represent him here on earth, just like each and every one of us do. Help us to be bold in our faith. And like Paul said, he preached Jesus Christ and and him resurrected. And one day, our faith will become sight. And that's what we have to live for. And we all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Please bless each one that's here today. Help Amanda as she goes to Peru. Help every single person that David mentioned. Alexis Thomas, Kobe, Daniel, Maggie Wilkins, Amanda Horton. I mean, Holloman going to Peru. Please bless them, Lord, and go with us.